You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Everybody, welcome in to our reveal of our number 13th ranked team in our NFL preseason power rankings and a look at the Las Vegas Raiders. This should be a lot of fun as the beat drops. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Time that one real well. Yeah, the Raiders coming in 13. Obviously bringing in Devontae Adams. Max Crosby having a breakout season last year. Exciting team. Star-studded team. But um, we're about to discuss why the 13th. And basically a quick summary is they got some holes on the roster. So um, unless you've got any comments on this man right there, Max Crosby. Oh, actually, we do got to say the backstory of the Max Crosby thumbnail, right? All right, so I, I took a massive victory lap on the last episode about he went with the the solo camera. I took a massive victory lap last episode on uh, Patrick Sertan uh, the second and, and how uh, we correctly mocked and how we were saying all along Broncos take Pat Sertan, Broncos take Pat Sertan. Um, last season in our in depth NFL preseason power rankings, the uh, the thumbnail for for the Raiders who correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> were pretty low on in our power rankings, like somewhere in the mid twenties, I would I would assume. Is uh, spitballing here? Uh, Max Crosby was our thumbnail because basically it was more of a joke and a meme because you know Raiders fans were were, get, were really hyping up Max Crosby and uh, he he thought he was an elite pass rusher or something like that, and uh, he foresighted the future, foreshadowed the future. Um, because last last season he was arguably a top five, top three pass rusher in terms of production and in terms of you know the the general impact they had on a down to down basis. Um, so give Max Crosby a lot of credit for shutting me up. So I took a I took a victory lap with Patrick Sertan for the Broncos. I'm going to take and hold my L here with Max Crosby, and we're going to talk about him more in depth. But he's a phenomenal football <laughs> yeah. player who had a great season. Um, honestly, if we're talking about defensive player of the year, if it wasn't going to be Aaron Donald, it should have been Max Crosby. Bowl take. Um, that's how good of a player he was last year, and he single-handedly kept this defense afloat. Yes, uh, Trayvon Morrig is good too, but um, Max Crosby really, really, really kept this defense afloat last season. And, and I, I won't let you take that L and hold that L uh, by yourself because it was kind of my idea to be like, you know what, there's so many guys that we can put. We wanted to troll the Raiders. It was, the, it was between Cleveland Farrell. Um, Max Crosby. Regardless, it was going to be a troll. It was going to be a troll to the Raiders, regardless. Because they're all their like early round, or Alex Leatherwood was going to be uh, one of the considerations too. All the early round busts the Raiders have drafted. Um, but we just so happened to pick the one that broke out. Um, <laughs> that year, so just so kudos to Max Crosby, uh, <laughs> like you said. But I mean, I don't know. I, I just hope he can follow it up. He, he All signs point to full go for Max Crosby. Exactly. So let's start things off here by talking about their additions and departures. They had a busy, busy offseason. They yep. completely cleaned house here and, in, uh, in, you know, have a new coaching staff. We'll talk more in depth about their coaching staff in just a minute here. But John Gruden on his way out the door, obviously, he had that scandal. And uh, by the way, and I'm actually going to give credit specifically when we start, start talking about guys like Derek Carr and some of these other guys on this team that were retained from last year because – the amount of adversity that this team had to overcome, they had, they dealt with injuries like every team does. But not every team goes through their head coach and their play caller 
going through a scandal, ultimately gets fired or relieved of duties. And then one of your receiving threats, your, your deep threat, um, unfortunately gets caught in, into a uh, unfortunate situation of his own and he gets released. So what Derek Carr, what this team in, in general had to go through last season um, as a Chargers fan, man, I, I, I have a newfound respect for a guy like a Derek Carr. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, you lose Rick, Rich Passaccia. I definitely botched that. Good Lord. But um, I think it, you got it exactly right. Oh, I got it exactly right. Wow. Shocker. Um, not very many teams, if any teams at all of football, will have their special teams coach be listed as a big departure. But this team really rallied behind him when he became the interim head coach. And honestly, I think it's a shame that they weren't able to keep him around because that's what we're going to talk about with this coaching staff. You can make an argument that this would have been one of the elite coaching staffs that they were able to keep him around. So it's unfortunate there. You also lose Byron Edwards, Brian Edwards, excuse me. And one of the more bizarre offseason moves, honestly, um, and they traded him for nothing. I'm like, why? Like right? Like a fifth or a sixth round pick to Atlanta, which was just a bizarre move as well because Brian, Brian Edwards really became, you know, that vertical deep throw and allowing Hunter Hunter Renfro to, you know, work in the short to intermediate, intermediate game and, uh, you know, with this release. This receiving core could have been so good with Devontae Adams, obviously, as your ex, your number one. Brian Edwards has that Z, that deep threat, who really stretches the field with his athleticism, his size, and his speed. And then Hunter Renfro is a wide. And then you just throw in Darren Waller, oh, the third best tight end and probably the most explosive tight end between him and Kyle Pitts in the league as, as your starting tight end. This, I mean, it's, they're already ranked one. It would have just been so much better with Brian Edwards over Keelan Cole. I really don't know why they did it, but um, it's not like it's not like he, you know Brian Edwards getting traded is killing this receiving room. But again, yeah, just a questionable like you're not up against the cap. I don't even Brian Edwards not on that expensive a of a contract. He was on a he was on a very team friendly contract. Um, so it, again, like Warner was saying, it's not that this your your team is all of a sudden not going to be a playoff contender because you lose Brian. By Brian Edwards, good lord! Yeah, uh, he was selling his rookie, rookie contract, so exactly uh, he's making this over a million dollars a year. But you know this this is an elite receiving room, but it could have been even better. I just kept uh, Brian Edwards around this time. I got it right that time. My brain wants to say Byron for some reason. Um, you also lose Anik uh, Ngakwe, who is just a yeah. number two, who's just a number two pass rusher. Um, and, I mean, we'll talk about who you replace him with. You lose Quinn Jefferson on the inside. Solomon Thomas, who was more so just a, a project to see if they could get him right. You lose KJ Wright and Corey Littleton. to be the next Aaron Donald. Yeah, that worked out. Yeah, that worked out great. Um, you also lose Corey Littleton as well. Uh, additions, we're going to skip the coaching staff right now, but you just added the best, if not the best. There's only one other receiver after last season you can even make an argument for, and even then I wouldn't a- agree with it. You, you just added in the best wide receiver in all of football in Devontae Adams, who is really the complete package. Uh, like Warner mentioned, that you're uh, just a number one X receiver on the outside that's going to win their one-on-one matchups with their uh, the crispiest of releases in all of the NFL, an elite route runner who ha- who just gets the 
utmost amount of separation. And we'll talk about with the, with this receiver room, but they also get a Marcus Robinson, who I mean, Warder, I'm not sure if you saw this play in preseason. Um, he just had an insane route. Um, so j- just a guy, it's gonna be a depth piece for this receiver room here. Um, that had some decent chemistry with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But I do like that addition. You get Keenan Cole, but the second biggest uh, free agency acquisition for them was Chandler Jones in, in the offseason, getting him to, yeah. to pair next to uh, Max Crosby. Now you can say you have a legit top 10, maybe even a top five pass rush room here in all of football, pairing Chandler Jones, who now doesn't have to worry about being the, the, the lone uh, edge rush threat. He's the number two now, honestly, who will get a lot more free one-on-one matchups. And Chandler Jones is still very, very skilled to where he can win those matchups. Um, outside of that, in terms of their free agency additions, I'm not too, too high on most of them, on, on any of these guys, to be completely honest. But I, I think for the limited draft picks they did have, I, I do want to give them credit. Dylan Parham uh, has looked really, really good in preseason um, and honestly could take one of those starting guard uh, slots here at some point this season, if not uh, week one. Uh, Zamir White, who I think they are really, really fond of so much so that they went ahead and cut Kenyon Drake. So mm-hmm. I think they, they see something in him that they like, and uh, and that's good for them. Neil Farrow Jr. is fine as well, a guy that's going to be some interior depth, I believe, in year one. But um, Warner, I just want to throw this out there as well. I, I think let's – this Raiders team, you got to give them some credit for throwing the chips all in because the AFC West is uh, just getting overloaded with elite talent. And the Raiders, heading into this season, they had a very middle-of-the-pack roster, maybe even a below-average roster compared to the rest of the AFC, AFC West and how the AFC is growing in general. But a few things go right. By a few, like like we're talking about like big steps up, specifically the offensive line, which we'll get into with some other things, and you stay healthy. Um this team could find themselves being a Super Bowl contender. I think they're closer to that tier than the Broncos are. I think they need more stuff to go right, um, if that makes sense. I think the Broncos, the Broncos have the higher floor, if that makes sense. But I think the Raiders have the highest ceiling out of the two. Um, so kudos enough for going all in this offseason and uh, re-signing Derek Carr, giving them an extension, keeping Darren Waller around, Hunter Renfro. Um, what, what are your final thoughts on this offseason for the Raiders before we dive in here? Yeah, I think they had a, a really good offseason. Obviously, you have your two impacts, uh, Devonta Adams and Chandler Jones. You bring in a entirely new coaching staff, which I think is a good coaching staff as well. Um, you you combine that with uh, the talent you already had last last season, outperforming expectations last year, and then just adding to that. Um, and and you know, I, I think a very productive offseason, especially considering they didn't have a first or second round draft pick. Absolutely. Now let's dive in here to this coaching staff that Warner was just raving about and I was raving about well that it's going to rank eighth in all of football here offensively. Josh McDaniels, very much so a pro-style uh, rant scheme here offensively. They're going to rank 12th in terms of overall offensive grade and eighth again in coaching and scheme. Um, Josh McDaniels, I'm, I'm going to let Warner kind of talk about McDaniels because I think Warner would have a great evaluation of him. I mean, not say I don't either, but I think Warner could really go in detail about Josh McDaniels. But I want to shout out Michael Lombardi, who I think is really going to balance things out here offensively because I think with McDaniels, it's a lot more quick game uh, philosophies in their passing game, which I think really does cater to Derek Carr very nicely here. 
I think he does some nice things with some of the trick plays and uh, some of the running schemes as well. But Mick Lombardi, who really has a diverse skill set and a, a, a diverse background, who's still very, very young, who has some more of the who, – who's worked under, you know, the, a read option or option-heavy offense under a guy like a Greg Roman back in San Francisco, or he worked under a Chip Kelly in uh, San Francisco as well in 2016 – it was more of that uh, of a modern sp- uh, spread offense. So I think th- this coaching staff is going to be uh, really, really unique. It's going to be able to pull from different backgrounds. Um, so I-, I really do like that a lot about this uh, coaching room here. And because um, McDaniels is at his core, I think a twelve personnel guy. That when they do go into their their passing sets, it's going to be more quick game. You know, some stick. Um, and some mesh or some other concepts like that. But, uh, Warner, what are your thoughts on McDaniels and this coaching room as offensively anyway? Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned the pro-style um, offense that he's going to run, a lot of quick passing game. Uh, I think he's going to be able to expand it as well into more of a vertical um, game. Obviously, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro are two excellent route runners and separators, um, both down the field and in quick little scenarios. Um, you combine that with Darren Waller, who is a piece really unlike McDaniels has ever had, um, you know, maybe since Aaron Hernandez. Gronkowski obviously is one of the greatest tight ends ever. But, um, you know, he and Darren Waller have almost different skill sets. Waller's more of that explosive, faster, vertical threat. Well, Gronk was just a massive human, uh, was 90-10 on contested catches. Um, a great blocker and more more of an intermediate to short run after the catch guy, but uh, two different styles there. Um, but yeah, again with the twelve personnel, it's really going to help him utilize Darren Waller and and um, you know a blocking tight end per se. And I think it's also going to help open up the running game. We've seen those Patriots teams. He's been in New England his whole life. He had a brief stint. I want to say in Denver, uh, is that correct? Um, a brief stint as a head coach slash GM. Um, and, and, you know, he's always been that, that core to his roots pro style, not really influenced by anyone else. Um, almost genius of a head coach building his way and learning from other people around the league, um, and to make teams that aren't so talented and aren't so, uh, in terms of, you know, some of those Patriots teams that, uh, didn't have the receivers like Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller didn't have that kind of talent, um, He's helped them be explosive and and be good enough, um, whether that's relying more on the running game as they did last season or more on the passing game as they did, say, in 07, 08 um, with with Tom Brady and and Randy Moss and Wes Welker and and all those guys. So I think uh, the future is bright for McDaniels here with his relationship with Derek Carr and with with, team leaders like Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, uh, and Josh Jacobs as the skill position leaders. Um, in this locker room, I'm I, I think I'm gonna love what I see here from the Raiders. I agree there. Now let's dive in. So I accidentally spoiled it for you all, but let's dive in here to this quarterback quarterback room. You know, it's gonna rank 12th in all of football, and I, I said it towards the top. I, I didn't give Derek Carr his flowers last season. Um, or heading into last season, I thought Derek Carr was the epitome of an average quarterback, or at least an above-average quarterback. I thought Derek Carr was more in a tier of a guy like a Ryan Tannehill, for example. I thought he was closer to Ryan Tannehill 
than he was yeah. Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, I would say he's still in that tier, but he is tops in that tier now and, and really about to exit that uh, if he already has it. Exactly. And, um, Man, oh man! Like again, he's he's close. He's flipped the script on that, and I'm I'm going to put myself on solo here. But he's he's flipped the script on where my evaluation was heading into last season. I think he's a lot closer to Kyler Murray and and well, Kirk Cousins or um he he's closer to those guys than he is Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo now. Um, because with Derek Carr, um, the biggest thing was I feel that. With Derek Carr, he he wasn't a guy that you won because of heading into last season. I think you could win. It's always thought you could win with Derek Carr, not because of. And not saying that's entirely different now, but I will say I, I'm having a hard time. I think this is different than Kirk Cousins. I think after last season, I am starting to become more open to saying I think you could win because of Derek Carr. And I'm gonna give him credit because the circumstances that he was under last season were really unfair and uh, unfortunate for a guy like a cal- the caliber of him, uh, of, of himself. You know, you lose your head coach here, play caller. You lose your quote-unquote leader of men in John Gruden. What, what, whatever your opinions are on John Gruden, you did lose him to that scandal. You lose Henry Ruggs midseason as well due to his idiotic circumstances that Henry Ruggs put himself in. But Derek Carr was able to galvanize the troops. He had a really bad Falcons game, if I recall. But he really galvanized the troops and was able to somehow muster up enough strength to get this team to the playoffs. And he went to war against Justin Herbert in the season finale. Um, you say what you want about Brandon Staley or however that game ended, but Derek Carr played, a, played his tail off in that game. Um, and l- let's just say this, the, the Raiders did not lose that game against the Bengals because of Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr really kept them in that football game. And um, I, I think another consistent season, I think it's, that's more so the biggest key here with a guy like a Derek Carr is just, can he put together a full season of good to great quarterback play instead of above average to good quarterback play? Because um, then, and I think the traits are there. I think he does go through his reads. Well, I do think that he has an NFL caliber arm. I do think he has that if factor, or if I need a game-winning drive, I mean, this is more statistically, I do feel this way, but I do think if you need a game-winning drive and my quarterback is Derek Carr, I feel like I do feel confident about my chances. Um, I, I do think he's he's poor against pressure. I think if you get to Derek Carr, he really does get rattled. But I, I will think say, though, he had some moments last season, especially late in games, where he looked very good against pressure, and now they weren't necessarily hard. He kind of just backpedaled or took a few extra steps and then Chucked up a deep ball to a Brian Edwards or a Zay Jones, which I think is another kind of significant loss um, after, especially the relationship that he and Carr built up. Um, but you know, I, I'm really looking forward to to Carr not only uh, with his new receiving room, but with his new apparent uh, almost confidence. Um, it, it seems like we've got a new Derek Carr, a more confident Derek Carr, and and a better quarterback, a better, a smarter quarterback in Derek Carr coming into the season. Yeah, so long story short, I do think he still has some of his flaws, you know, sh- showing some uh, not good play, let's just say that, against pressure and pressure in his face, uh, low chargers in week four last year. You put pressure without blitzing on Derek Carr. I think he does do a good job of picking up blitzes yeah. and recognizing the blitz, but you can get 
four, maybe even five or so, four, three to three to four rushing Derek Carr. I do think you can rattle him a little bit. And to the just the inconsistencies. There'll be weeks where he has three interception games and any might cost you a game. But I think if he could put together a more consistent season where it's good to great quarterback play, then uh yeah, because Derek Carr is definitely starting to win me over. And so there's my apology letter to Derek Carr, if you will, as well. But Warner, anything that I did not mention or anything you want to reiterate about Derek Carr in this quarterback room? Again, I'm really looking forward to him. Um, obviously, the big headline is reuniting with Devontae Adams, but having a full season where Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller have more freedom because Devontae's going to get doubled no matter where he goes, which just means more one-on-ones for Renfro and Darren Waller. It's it's going to be a sight to see, I'll tell you. And um, let's just say good thing the Chargers brought in J.C. Jackson because they are going to need help. And, you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs might be in some trouble, actually, when they play these Raiders teams just because of the weapons. Great segue. I do want to really quickly bring up Jared Stidham, uh, you know, conveniently following Josh McDaniels over. I do think you can do some creative stuff with Stidham. I, I did bring up uh, Mick, um, Mick Lombardi's pass working with Greg Roman and Chip Kelly, some guys that get really creative with like option run schemes with their quarterback. So, you know, something I think they could toy around with. We've seen them toy around with in the past with Marcus Mariota. I think they could do that here as well. Uh, but let's talk about this receiver room here that's going to get the golden uh, heading, I would, if you will. Uh, Not sombrero. Gold. That's that's bad. Um, but they're going to rank first in all of football in this with this receiver room here. That again, like replace Keelan Cole with I don't know uh, Byron Brian Edwards. Good lord, Brian Jeez. Edwards. With Keelan Cole, I mean, this the grade of a 9.4 might be a little higher here. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with the depth, actually, because I do think they have some solid depth with Demarcus Robinson, Tyron Johnson, who to this day, I am still absolutely frustrated that the Chargers let go. This is not a Chargers episode, but I am still remarkably frustrated that we let Tyron Johnson go. And now he's with the division rival. I believe he had a punt return maybe if not for a touchdown, but a really, really uh, deep punt return touchdown. Um, He's going to be a stud as that, again, as that Z guy just down the field. I think, honestly, he'll see a lot of playing time because, you know, Keelan Cole's a quick receiver, but he's he's more of a, a slot guy. So is Hunter Renfro. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that both one or both of them can go out wide, um, but I, I think see a lot of, you'll see a lot of Tyron Johnson on the edge. Uh, especially in, in, you know, first down sets or third and longs where they need to get chunk plays down the field. Exactly. Um, but I, I do like this receiving room a, a lot. Um, now, let, let, let's let just talk about it. Let, let's stop dodging what's, what we're doing here. Holy cow. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. You're talking about, you know, just elite separation at its finest. Those three guys might be, you know, I mean, Devontae Adams is probably the best separator out of any wide receiver out of the slot guys. Hey, I will say Derwin James thinks Hunter Renfro is the second best separator in the league. I mean, I was going to say out of all the slot receivers, Hunter Renfro is probably, unless I'm missing somebody, disrespecting somebody, Hunter Renfro might be the best, you know, pure slot receiver in terms of let me get separation at the line of, at the line of scrimmage with, with my release and, you know, winning my 
uh, one-on-ones. But um, it, so give him a lot of credit. And then Darren Waller, not named Travis Kelsey. I don't think there's another receiver, another tight end that separates at the line of scrimmage and gets open um, better than Darren Waller. Um, again, and, sorry, and back up. The athletic gifts he has as well, the speed that, that Darren Waller possesses is, I think, better than Kelsey, honestly. Yeah, and, and then again, like Warner kind of mentioned here, you who do you – I as a defensive coordinator or a defensive play caller, a coach, you know, you, you're, you're going to have a nightmare scheming up or trying to guard and, and defend this receiving room here because you, you look at it, okay, do we double Devontae Adams? If so, Hunter Renfro in the slot is going to just kill us. And then yeah. we have Darren Waller over the middle of the field as well. So, like, what do you do there? If you if you go single coverage on Devontae, Devontae Adams might legitimately rack up 200 yards. Yeah, um, and he'll, then, he'll, he'll, he'll take 16 for 220 and three touchdowns. Like, it, there's no question he's going to throw the ball to Adams if he's open. And if he's getting single covered, he's going to be open. Exactly. So – um, it, it's just gonna be a coverage nightmare for the for a team guarding them or playing them. Um, I, I think as well, and we'll talk about this offensive line. I do think you can beat this offense. Um, but in terms of how do you, you know, guard this receiver room? Good luck. Um, Josh Jacobs in the receiver room as well as as the, as a back um, who who has you know dependable hands or, or who's good enough rather with his hands um, as a pass catcher. Um, and you're talking about a guy who, um, can, you know, take plays and and really take him upfield outside of that. You have Brandon Bolden, who could really be another pass catching back. They cut Kenny and Drake says an era RN. Um, but that's really what you're expecting there. I don't expect much out of Zamir white, a rookie you just drafted. You have Amir Abdullah as well, who we do not have listed, but I think Amir Abdullah could really, you know, be getting like a James White role as a pass catcher from New England, um, a guy that will be clearly only used on pass catching downs. Uh, on third down, you need to advance past the sticks. Just a really shifty running back that, you know, is a really good pass catcher and I think could, you know, do things well with Derek Carr. So that's our thoughts on this receiving room. It's going to rank first. Uh, Warren, you have anything else to add on to this receiving room? No, I mean, I'm just trying to think up a defense that could remotely contain this receiving room. And, I mean, you can't play you can't play man against this defense. No, no, no. But almost your best option would be two men Corners. on Devontae Adams and then, like, one man on Carr, one man on uh, Renfro, and then just zone everywhere else. But I have no idea how that would look. I'm, like, straight up. You then you'd only have three guys dropping into coverage, and you still have another tight end, another running back, and either Derek Carr or you know somebody else to look after. So, yeah, I was about to say, is your best bet going quarters? I I think it is, or some sort of cover six. I, I really do because it's just it's a nightmare out there. And again, cover six for those who don't know, it's basically you have. Uh, one one side of the field is split up. The sides of the field are split up. So one side is so you know basic cover two. You have the safety drop down. The other side is uh, more safeties are stand deep. So more rely on your safety rotation and how the how far you back get, your safety is playing. You can get real bad. You could have you could have a, a linebacker uh, or an edge player, um, likely a linebacker if you're a nickel, 
um, drop into that sort of uh, the flat and then have your corner go take that deep. You can run sky, you can run a cloud. Uh, you could have a safety then rotate down and take a, a hook curl. Um, you, you could get really creative in, in a cover six. Honestly, just to throw off Derek Carr and hope that he, his mind gets in his way and that's how you can beat this this offense. But then again, it, what we talked about, talking about Derek Carr, if he can really put a similar year together while being better against uh, straight-up four-man pressure, that's going to be hard to do, uh, It's to say the least. All righty, so let's now dive in here to this running back room. It's going to rank 17th, Josh Jacobs, Amir White, who, again, Zemir White, by the way, it's a guy that I guess they're, they're so high on to the point that they actually were able to – they straight up said, you know what, we're going to cut uh, Kenyon Drake. Um, so bold decision by them. But Josh Jacobs, another guy where I was like, yeah, I think they need to just stay consistent um, and, and be more of a uh, polished back and not try to hit those big super chunk yards plays. You know, be, be fine with those – four yards uh, carry instead of trying to get that home run and then, you know, be stuffed at the line for two yards. Now I will say this as well. Um, I, I will say this as well, that um, uh, this offensive line is really, 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 really bad. So Josh Jacobs is uh, he, he's going to have his hand fill hands full, but um, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this running back room? Yeah, Josh Jacobs isn't necessarily particularly explosive. He's not um, a, a top-tier back in the league, but he is a guy that you can hand the rock to. He's going to get three yards, four yards. Um, he has He's a pretty good receiver at this stage in his career. He's got reliable hands out of the backfield for screens and, and check downs. Um, he's, just a, he's just a solid all-around back. You add Zamir White in there, who you're hoping can develop uh, as well as be, to be that number two back. Um, and then Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah, you just got thunder and lightning right there. Um, it's kind of depth pieces. Uh, hopefully they don't have to see the field very much, but uh, if they do, then they're they're capable at you know excelling in their their sides of, of the ball, um, meeting Amir Abdullah in the passing game, screens, etc. Brandon Bolden is more of that that uh, rusher. But um, I think Jacobs does does enough for you. Um, especially considering all of the um, receiving threats you have that you know, you don't have to necessarily have that top tier running back that um, a lot of people hope Josh Jacobs was. Um, you don't have to have that, that top tier guy and you don't really have to re- worry about the offensive line so much either just because of how explosive this receiving room, room is. Yeah. So let's talk about the biggest weakness, arguably, arguably, for this entire team. And that's going to yep. be this offensive line room here that's going to rank 30th. Oh, boy. Colton Miller is really, really good at football. Um, he, he's really, really good at football. Um, who is one of the more underrated uh, offensive tackles, who is an elite pass protector. Um, and, and I think that's something that um, – the Raiders are going to need is he's going to do his best to protect Derek Carr's blind side, but literally everywhere else on this offensive line, you either have, you know, okay starters to really bad, you know, offensive linemen. And let's start things off with John Simpson here. 
you know, likely going to be your starting left left guard who is, you know, I guess serviceable as a pass protector, uh, but can't really and will not help in the run game. Um, Andre James is probably the second best offensive lineman on this entire offensive line. And even then, he's just a fine replacement level starting caliber guy who is, you know, solid and pass pro and, you know, could help Derek Carr in that department. Um, Alex Leatherwood, holy cow, a third round prospect that they took in the first round, who is who is pound for pound uh, out, out of the, the starting he was first round. Yes. And I think that was of, the same draft of Jordan of Jordan Love too. He, Dylan Palm would come in over Leatherwood uh if if he were to start. Um, you know, as a similar player, uh, you know, question mark in the pass protection, uh decent run run blocker, but um that's really bad. And then you go over to Brandon Parker as well, who's just a bad pass protector and a bad run blocker. It's just not a good offensive line by any stretch of the imagination, hence ranking 30th here. Ranking 30th. And actually, Warner Kyle, I wasn't even able to say what I was about to say about Alex Leatherwood, but pound for pound out of every single – if you took all the starting offensive linemen last season, uh, Alex Leatherwood is, was probably the worst starting yeah. – offensive lineman in football last season and that's gonna be a massive detriment to this offensive line here uh and then like warner mentioned brandon parker who is just meh who's not good um he's a backup he would he would be a pretty decent backup swing tackle um but he is starting a right tackle right now and that's just something that you you can't have to be a fully functioning offense with an explosive passing attack because passing the ball takes time and like I mentioned, and like we talked about with Dylan Parham, who's going to be depth as listed right now, honestly, if Alex Leatherwood early in the season does not show uh, significant growth, I would uh, pitch just starting Dylan Parham, who is day one, probably going to be a better pass protector, and it's at least comparable to Alex Leatherwood as a run blocker as well, so... I, I think, and, and he's a rookie, and this is their draft selection. They've obviously seen something in Dylan Parham, so um, I well, would. They also took Alex Leatherwood, so pump the brakes there. Well, yeah, guess, but uh, like, this is McDaniel's wasn't in house yet. True, New regime. So, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, all in all, I really do like. No, I don't like. Actually, I don't know what I'm saying. But I, no, I do know what I'm saying now. I really do like Dylan Parham. I think they will, or at least they should, go with um, Dylan Parham. It's either you're starting left guard if John San, uh, John Simpson just cannot get the job done or as a um, starting right guard if Alex Otherwood continues to show he is a bust. Um, let, I don't use that word uh, very often, but I think as of right now, you can very legitimately say he is a bust. Um, yeah. partially because they drafted him in the first round. But look at the strengths and weaknesses. You have an elite group of weapons, the best weaponry in the National Football League. You have really creative play calling and coaching under uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. Um, and uh, you have a stability of Derek Carr. Um, although the weaknesses, like, like we mentioned, abysmal offensive line play, the worst offensive line play arguably uh, in the NFL um, we, we, just, we, ran- we just talked about it. I mean, it's staring you right in the face. The whole right side of that offensive line is really bad. And really everything side- after Colton Miller, honestly. Yeah. 
literally the left center to left guard is just replacement level starter. And then right side is just absolute dumpster fire. And then you have Colton Miller, who's a stud. I mean, poor Colton Miller. Remember they tried to Miller. Trent Brown's a lot better than uh, Brendan Parker. I'll tell you that. Oh, man. So it, it sucks. And I think, like we mentioned, if there's a way you're going to beat this team, I think this is a very matchup dependent, dependent team that if you're facing a really good defense, a really balanced defense that has a uh, good enough secondary, but they have the pass rushes that are going to win their matchups and get home and really put pressure on Derek Carr, then I think that's where we, we, you could see this Raiders offense really struggle, although they have the best weaponry in football, and although they do have great play calling and a good quarterback in Derek Carr. Um, but again, you can I think you can rush maybe even three guys, but certainly four guys and get consistent pressure just because of this offensive line. I mean, really, you put your number two pass rusher up against Colton Miller and then overload the right side of that line, and oh boy, oh boy, uh, you're getting you're getting a bunch of pressures on Carr. And as you mentioned, Carr, that's the weak part of his game right now, uh, passing against pressure with non-blitzed pressure. Let's say look at the defensive coaching scheme here. It's going to rank 23rd. The defense is going to rank 18th here. Um, man, Patrick Graham, I don't think the ranking does him justice. I do like Patrick Graham a lot, who is a really, really innovative and uh, creative uh, defensive play caller who, if things go well here in – Las Vegas could find his way into a coaching job in a couple of seasons. Um, with Patrick Graham, he he really he, he is a Belichick disciple. He that is Patrick Graham. But one of the things he did, he also has a has a really unique background as well. You know, looking back to uh, he worked with Mike Penn, who Warner has uh, an extensive <laughs> knowledge and understanding about in Green Bay, a very blitz heavy scheme. So he knows how to dial up the blitz. Um, and then obviously the Belichick stuff, you know, the, the stunting, uh, the crossfire stuff. He, he can get really creative with that as well. Um, but the biggest thing is, is what he did in with the Giants in the, the good year or the better year when things were a little bit respectable, not last season under Joe Judge, but the year prior was he would, with his edge rush, just to get really, really creative, he would have, you know, a really balanced pass rusher on one side who you know, I think it was Leonard Williams for them, a guy that's good against the run, a guy that can play all three downs. You're not looking for a guy that's a uh, third down edge rusher, a guy that can suck the run, but also really get after the passer if we need be. This way you don't have to leave your base because their base was nickel. They were in a base nickel defense. Um, and then on the other side, you have the Belichickian hybrid edge, you know, like we see in uh, with Miami and in New York and uh, well, New England now, which by the way, Patrick Graham does have experience with, with a guy like a Kyle Van Noy. But then the biggest thing is the, the Belichickian defenses, they run primarily uh, man coverage. But what is so unique about Patrick Graham and what he does and how he's turned, uh, taking a spin on this Belichickian uh, defense is. They run a lot more zone. Actually, they ran they ran the most cover three out of any team in football last season. So, it, it, which is not a dying breed, but they definitely really relied on cover three uh, in New York. And they're and I mean, good for him. At least he's the team he's working with. That's what they ran a lot of last season as well was cover three. So the returning pieces are going to be comfortable. So, long story short, I like Patrick Graham a lot. 
I think, you know, he needs to show himself and prove himself a little bit more. He's going to have his work cut out for him because some of those things I described, not necessarily sure that they really have that personnel here in Vegas. Um, more so sorry about that secondary, but we'll get into that in just a sec. But um, all in all, I like this coaching room a lot. I think it just needs to be something uh, – they need to prove themselves as a whole offensively and defensively. Um, but Patrick Graham could very well find himself into a head coaching gig if he does well here in, in Vegas in a couple of seasons, which kudos to him. I, I do like him a lot. Let's Gotta dive love in. Belichick defense. Gotta love it. If it's executed the right way. Gotta love that Belichick defense. Let's dive into this pass rusher, which is a massive reason why this team ranks 18th defensively because the pass rush is going to rank third in the NFL. Max guy who can play all three downs. Yeah, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. And like I mentioned uh, previously with Max Crosby, he really shut me up last season. And he's not like a Hassan Reddick that would you know get a lot of sacks and – uh, not really impact the the down to down situations where uh, with pressures and quarterback hits and things of that nature, but um, he would really, I mean, really do a great job of you know just getting in the quarterback's face, winning his one on one matchups, and really opening things up for some of the interior guys or you know maybe your your at your second edge rusher um, to get one on ones because his ability to convert speed to power is insane. He is just a freak athlete. He's um, super quick. We saw him run down Lamar Jackson. The way he can transfer his weight from side to side, whether that's to cut inside or uh, you know, or even set up that brilliant spin move he has. He's got the best spin move in the game. He can go outside. He can go through you. He can go. He can spin around you. He can come inside, and he can also. He's a great player contain wise because he's always got his eyes on the quarterback. He's always locked into the backfield close to the quarterback. And also he's got the speed and the athleticism to disengage from a blocker and get outside and contain that quarterback. Um, Again, I mean, showing it against the game's best runner as a quarterback in Lamar Jackson last season, he's incredible. You combine that with Chandler Jones, who um, isn't really a rotational pass rusher, but isn't, uh, isn't necessarily a stud against the run. Honestly, they'd be better off probably playing Cleveland Farrell against the run, which, again, fits this defense to a T. He's not that hybrid edge, but he's definitely a guy who can come in on third down and get significant pressure. Um, and, you know, he get, he still has, I think, the capability to play all three downs um, in this defense and be effective and, and an impact playing a, a, the edge spot. Yeah, I agree. Um, on the inside, Belil Nichol- Nichols is, is fine. Um you know, Hankins, uh, you know, not leaving much desire, but he probably, Jonathan Hankins, probably be an interior piece. You have Andrew Billings, who I think as a pass rusher would probably be your interior guy here. As And, and granted, none, outside of Nichols, none of their interior guys are really good against the rush. But, I mean, I think they'll get one-on-ones, and they, I think they could win those against lackluster interior offensive tackles or, um, excuse me, offensive linemen because you have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. They, yeah, they should be getting one-on-ones, though. I mean, ideally, you, you've got a guard and a tackle on Crosby and you're chipping Chandler Jones with a tight end or a running back. And then yeah. you just got Nichols and Billings on one-on-one guard center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Cleveland Barrel, I think could be that guy to play on first and second down. He's a 
good enough pass rusher, and he's be- he's good against the run to uh, be that guy. And again, I think he could win those one-on-ones that are going to be provided to him thanks to the ability of a guy like a um, nice like a Max Crosby. So that's my thoughts on this pass rush room here. They have some okay depth, but this secondary is where it gets dark really, really fast. And we go from top three to bottom three here. Um, let, let, let's just start it off. And uh, the biggest thing, the biggest weakness, rather, you look at Jonathan Abram in that secondary. They just so misproperly used him last season Jonathan Abram is was not a good safety last season who's who's really a, a negative to that defense and that's a liability game. when it comes to the passing game yes um Ro- Rocky Asin fine um he's a number two corner and you're now asking to be your number one he's not even a high-end number two either I, I give him mid number two same with Trayvon Mullen and honestly Nate Hobbs is a mid slot corner they've just got no, nobody moves the needle in the secondary except Trayvon Morig, but you can't have a good secondary with one good safety. Exactly, and safeties can only make so much of an impact. And uh, Trayvon Morig, you know, was our number one safety coming out of last year's draft class. And, you know, Javon Holland might have something to say about that now, but that does not take anything away from Trayvon Morig, who is just a stud, a freak athlete who does have good coverage instincts that can also be one of those guys who can play near the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I am really, really excited about year two for Trayvon Morrig, and I'm also really, really excited to see how um, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham utilizes Trayvon Morrig and as a chess piece. I think that's something he could very well do. Um, and we're gonna have to title this. I think we should title this actually to the pass coverage. But you know, again, Trayvon Mullen is fine, um, but now you're asking either him or Rocky Asin to to have to match up with your Keenan Allens, your Corlin Sutton, so I'm not even sure they could you know, really guard Corlin Sutton and Jerry Jr. are going to give this team fits along with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And exactly. real quick, I honestly, I think I'm more interested to see how Patrick Graham almost uses and, and hides Jonathan Abram um, mm. in, in passing downs as that guy near the line of scrimmage. He's a good run defender um, for, at the safety spot, but he's just so bad at pass protection. He's honestly – Pass coverage. I think they're better off at using Abrams as that um, you know hybrid safety linebacker guy, who uh, you know sort of like an Adrian Phillips or or a Kyle Duggar, who's just significantly worse in coverage than those two guys are. Um, you know, close to the line of scrimmage again, running cover three. Have Trayvon Morg play more of that center field and just have Jonathan Abrams settle down in a hook curl, maybe a quarterback spy or uh, just a, <laughs> a permanent all time blitzer. I mean, they drafted him to be a Jamal Adams-type player, and right now Jamal Adams is a little bit better than him, but Jamal Adams is like a Jonathan Abrams-type player. Yeah, and then uh, Divine Diablo and and Cheon Brown, I think as linebackers, are a boost for this coverage room here, but you know, it's only so much, again, those guys can do as well. Nate Hobbs, I think, did a good job late in the season. Um, I think he played some out. He played some outside. They look too, too pretty. He is a slot corner, and uh, I think he could do a good job out in the slot. Um, yeah. Taking a look here at this run defense group, it's going to rank 23rd, just below average. Uh, Max Crosby, again, being more of that down-the-down guy that you know is really, really good against the run, but also <laughs> elite as a 
pass rusher. This is where Denzel Perryman, that's the linebacker, would check in. And Devon Diablo, again, I really do, do think he could be primed for a breakout yeah. season. If they run that three three five, you're looking at uh, a really good linebacker room actually. Devon Diablo, Denzel Perriman, Jayon Brown, and probably taking um, probably taking Billings off the field and passing downs, and Nichols off the field um, on on running downs. Um, and maybe to preserve maybe just Chandler having Jones. Nichols play full time, and then yeah, have Chandler Jones that other other guy rotate him somehow. Maybe go Crosby, Nichols, and. Um, and Cleveland Farrell, and then have him and you know it, there's so you can do so much uh, with this with this team. I think with the three solid linebackers that you have there, um, it's it's you can't really go wrong with having all three of those guys on the field at the same time, um, unless it's I guess kick kickoff coverage or something, uh, kick return. Um, so you know Diablo is is just a really a young athletic linebacker. Again, I think primed for a breakout year as well. Um, and then Denzel Perryman's just that solid guy. He's solid against the run. He's solid against the pass. And Jayon Brown's a really good pass coverage linebacker. Um, you combine that with Tra- Trayvon Morig and Jonathan Abrams, it's a pretty good run defending um, back half outside the D-line. Yeah, and even up from that D-line, I think you have options. You know, uh, Jonathan Hankins, who uh, is not mentioned here, or he's not listed as a starter, I think could be a guy on running downs, could be in there. Keep an eye on Neil Farrell Jr., another guy that if an injury happens, you could throw him out there for run running downs or the early downs as well. Um, they have some nice depth here. Um, and like Warner mentioned, your, your linebackers are are really, really nice. So I think you're going to have a – it's going to be a challenge, I'll say, to run on this team. You're not going to be able to just run all over them. They do have some physicality. Like they have some guys that can really stop the run uh, in the back half and in the middle of that defense. I do like like Warner said. I do think if you could get, you have to be able to get by that uh, that front four. If you get by them, then it's, you're one on one in space, and I think you trust your playmakers. Although, like Warner mentioned, they do have good guys, especially in that linebacker room. But um, let's end this for the defense, talking about their defensive strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the edge rush duo, uh, like we mentioned, uh, it's an elite duo. The pass rush room as a whole, again, ranked third. Um, you have some really nice youth with a ton of upside. Uh, Nate Hobbs comes to mind. Trayvon Morrow comes to mind. I mean, technically, Max Crosby, I don't think he's really at the peak of his powers yet, which is crazy. Uh, Divine Diablo, who we talked about, could be primed for a breakout season. Um, and I do think you have some solid depth, but um, though you have an incredibly weak coverage unit, and uh, your interior defensive line room definitely leaves some to be desired. Yeah, you don't really have that, that big space eater. Um, uh, on the IDL, just to beef up the run defense. That he doesn't even have to be a pass rusher, honestly, with this with this duo. But just to beef up the uh, run defense, here, they're kind of lacking that huge nickel or uh, sorry nose tackle uh, presence. You know, a guy that's just surefire taking up two guys can shed blocks and just take up space and not let the not let the interior offensive line advance to the linebackers. But um, moving on to their final grade, Josh McDaniels and Dave Siegler are commanding a tight ship. They're going to come in 13th with 78.08. Pretty solid team, though, overall. Again, just some big holes when it comes to the offensive line, the interior defensive line, and then that secondary as well. Um, just pretty significant and important spots as well, especially secondary and, and offensive line, not spots that you want to have uh, liabilities at. Exactly. And uh, let's wrap things up, talk about their – 
you know, they're Vegas over under and under over under. Good lord, and uh, doing their schedule projections here, which by the way, I think that is criminally low. Um, half come on now, I we have the Broncos got a 10 and a half, so let's dive into the schedule here, courtesy of Warner. Warner, talk, talk me through here the schedule, yeah. So, um, week one. Uh, in Los Angeles, they're going to beat the Chargers. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams coming out hot. Um, the Chargers, uh, I think they're they're. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be quite as amped up as as this Raiders team is, with a lot to prove. Um, and you know, I think Devontae Adams, quite frankly, goes off. Um, they're going to lose to the Cardinals. Uh, really quickly, we, t- we might not have J.C. Jackson either. So yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to lose to the Cardinals week two, lose to the Titans week three. Titans, again, they're just going to run all over this team, and Jeffrey Simmons is going to have a day. Uh, but then they're going to rebound with divisional wins against the Broncos and the Chiefs in Kansas City. Mm. Again, mentioning um, that that uh, the matchup of the Chiefs secondary and um, – hold on. No, that's a mistake. They shouldn't beat the Chiefs twice. I was about to say, like, no. Hold on. What the? F- I'm I'm confused right now. Did I originally have them beaten the? Hold on, one second. Yeah, I was about to say like, oh, bro. shit. Yeah, no, I didn't. Week five was a mess up. I think. Yeah, week five was a mess up. I'm gonna re-upload yep. that. You want? I'll just redo the schedule. Redo the schedule. I got it. It's, I got it right here. No, I'm saying like I'm I'm gonna redo like the intro for schedule. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me tally up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, yeah, they. Oh yeah, Jonathan Hankins is on the pup list. Oh, that's why I didn't see him. I didn't see any news about him being on pup or IR, but he wasn't on the depth chart, and I figured, and he was still on the roster, so I didn't know. Um, all right, I'm uploading it now. Damn, I got pissed. Well, let's wrap up then. Yeah, he's a uh, fourth your, on the uh, face, depth chart. Your face did that. I was like, oh shit, did I have him sweeping the Chiefs? All right. Why does ESPN have an article about Jeffrey Okuda winning the starting quarterback job? I hope he won the starting quarterback job. Good lord. <laughs> Third overall pick. By the way, that 2017 class. Miles Garrett, number one. Mitch Trubisky, number two. Um, fucking what's-his-face, number three. Farrell. Or no, not Farrell. Um, shit. Uh, whatever. I got to pee really bad, and I can't focus, so reintroduce. All right. Ready? Yeah. Hold on. I lost my uh... – all right. Three. Now let's dive into the schedule projection here in the Vegas over-under, which is set criminally low, in our opinion, at eight and a half wins. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, or on, uh, I'm talking to Evo here specifically, you might think I'm lower on this Raiders team. No, it's just that I don't think the Raiders are the best team in the AFC, which I think, as, as described in this breakdown, we do not feel that way. But we're going to have this team coming in at 10 and 7, and they're going to win. They're going to beat the uh, Vegas over-under win projection at 8.5. It's a tough schedule, but I can say I'm fairly confident that they will hit this Vegas over-under of 8.5. I think it's a very 
uh, matchup dependent team. So let's dive through here. Uh, week one against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. We have them beating the Chargers in, in week one. We talk about matchup dependent. Um, I think the only way the Chargers win this week one is if they're firing on all cylinders with, with some of their pass rush schemes. Um, there is going to be no J.C. Jackson, I believe. Uh, that is the report coming out as of right now. He's coming back from a late preseason uh, surgery. Nothing too uh, major there, but it, it looks like he will miss week one, uh, if not week two as well, with the return for week three. But no J.C. Jackson, unless the Chargers really just get after Derek Carr. You know, this could be a toss-up. Uh, Warner, talk me through the rest of the schedule. Yeah, so after the losers of the Chargers in week one, they're going to beat the Cardinals and Titans. Week two and three, beat the Bron- or, uh, lose to the, sorry, the, the Cardinals and Titans. They're going to beat the Broncos at home in week four. Um, take a loss to the Chiefs in Kansas City. Have a really early week six bye and then go on a four-game winning streak, um, beating the Texans, Saints, Jags, and Colts, but then losing to the Broncos. In week 11, beating the Seahawks, losing to the Chargers to finish the season split, uh, losing to the Rams, back-to-back L.A. losses, beating the Patriots, beating the Steelers, losing to the Niners at home, and then beating the Chiefs in a big week 18. Uh, I think the matchup is just going to be too much there for the Chiefs in that receiving room. They're going to see him a second time. I think that will give the Raiders um, both Josh McDaniels and the offensive line to adjust uh, to whatever the Chiefs end up bringing. Uh, in week five in terms of pass rush and pressure-wise. Um, I, I think it'll help them exploit the Chiefs' weaknesses, and uh, they will overtake them in week 18, bringing them just 10-7 and seven and the playoff bid, and, yes, yeah, smashing that 8.5 over-under. I will say there are a lot of games, as you mentioned, a matchup-dependent team, but also a team that can beat anyone because they could hang a 45 on any team, I think, this year. Um, you know, obviously – all, all six divisional matchup games, I think, are, are, are a toss-up. Um, I think the, uh, the the Cardinals and Titans games are going to be close um, with this team. Uh, you know, the Saints game is going to be a close one. The Colts game, I think, is going to be a close one. Um, and then, you know, the Rams are beatable. The Patriots are beatable. But also, you're able to lose to them. And then the 49ers as well. Um, so, a lot of, a lot of uh, toss-up games, a lot of games that, I don't think we'll necessarily be close in terms of the scorebook, but we'll be close and determined by, you know, a, a big play here, a big play there, maybe a, a lapse in coverage, um, say, by the Patriots or something, or a safety falls down, and that gives them a free 7, 10, 14 points. Um, just because of how explosive this offense is, they they can, again, they can put 45 on everybody, and you score 44, 45 points in a game, you're likely going to win that game. Unless you're the Packers in the NFC Championship. Yes, yeah, so are you referencing the Cardinals like a few years ago? No, I'm referencing the Falcons. Oh, okay. The Falcons game and, and the Niners game a few years back, actually. Um, I think it's 45? It wasn't 45, but they like – the obviously that was the game the Niners ran like 300 yards on them. But um, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I agree, and I, I, I would actually argue that they would beat the Cardinals. Off the, I mean, I, I think they could very easily win that football game. The Cardinals' pass rush isn't good enough to where I, if I'm the Raiders, I'm really scared by it. And we, we, we detailed it in our Cardinals breakdown. Go check that out. Um, the Cardinals' secondary is not good enough either to really match up. So – I think they could – now, granted, you could say Kyler Murray, the weapons they got, some of the schemes that they run, you could make the argument there too, uh, but I'm, I am I would argue they win that game. But either way, I think this is a team that will muster up 10 wins or so 
Um, with the I think the floor, as long as no injuries, Hal, and no big injury to a, a key player happens, I think the floor is around nine wins. I, I really do think um, this is a good football team that I think is just short of a be, being a Super Bowl contender or a team that is line secondary. If they had one of those, I'd throw them into the contender role. But they don't have either either of them. He does have either of them. So uh, we're we're nearly approaching the hour mark here. So th- that that tells you this was a great episode of the Sports Headlines Show. So thank you guys for sticking around. If you guys are new, please do subscribe right here to the Sports Headlines Show YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Sports Headlines Eight. Warner, we are almost done, baby. We're approaching the top ten. Let's go! I'm so excited for football season. Let's get it. Week one is a few weeks away. Finally wrapping up the preseason. Finally wrapping up the preseason. Um, getting into live week one action. Film breakdowns. Woo. Baseball roundtable. Football roundtable. Fantasy Con- football advice. Fantasy football. It's going to be a great time. I'm so excited. Thank you guys for watching. And be sure to stick around and be paying attention to the channel. Turn on those notifications. So you get notified whenever we upload something NFL related. But with all that said, have a great rest of your day and peace out.